Hi, good morning and welcome to the Small Business Leaders Podcast. The podcast dealing with the things that wake up small business leaders at 2am in the morning. Hi, I'm Brian Davis and I'm the MD of Exion Limited. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing letting go, overcoming owner dependence. As a small business owner, one of the hardest things to do is to let go of control. I know, I've lived that life. So why is it so hard to just let go? Maybe because you care about your business and the customers more than the employees do. Or at least in your own head that might be true. It also may be because you see your employees as unable or unmotivated to manage the challenges of operating your company. For me it was the trust issue. To be honest, I just didn't trust my managers to get on and do it. I had baked in a cultural reliance on me. And I came to resent this big time. What in fact I'd done is I'd set up a culture of mistrust. And that actually was the root cause of why my managers couldn't, well in my head anyway, be fully trusted to get on and do their job. We'll be looking at setting a positive culture in a business in a future episode of this podcast. But for this episode, we'll be looking at how to recognise that you have indeed baked in owner dependence. And then how to go about breaking the cycle. One thing is clear to me, and let's agree on this from the start. Whatever the reason, and indeed it will be unique to you and your business, if you really want the business to grow, and you want to get your life back, then you need to let go. If you don't, you will become the reason the company starts to fail or indeed fails to grow. While each business is unique and each owner has their own particular style, there are some generic steps that you can take to help your business overcome its dependence on you. To begin with though, we first really need to understand just where these dependencies lie. So let's look at a hypothetical. Suppose you had to suddenly leave your business due to an unforeseen circumstance, like an accident, illness, or the opening indeed of a new opportunity. The proverbial, what happens if you go under a bus? Ask yourself this question, would your business survive? And if not, why not? If the answer to this question is, duh, of course it would, then congratulations, you have an independent business. If, however, the answer is no, or I'm not sure, then mm, probably, then your business is probably overly dependent on you. And this is unhealthy. This is unhealthy for all that are involved. One of the most common mistakes I've observed in business owners make is to believe that they will always be involved and available to offer oversight for their business. If this is you, then frankly, you have a job and not a business. I think it's true to say that owner dependence is probably the most common phenomenon experienced by many businesses globally. When life happens, like it always does, many businesses invariably crash as a result of their founder's absence, bringing many years of hard work potentially to ruin. The most successful businesses are the ones that far outlive their founders to become legacies in themselves. 
Now, the biggest win I had in my career as an entrepreneur was the realisation that it, I was not the business. The business was there to generate wealth for me. And really, that was all it was there to do. I repeat again, I was not the business. So, how to break the owner dependence habit? Well, if you're a business owner or looking to found a startup, here are four simple ways that you can inoculate yourself and your business for that matter from the disease of owner dependence. And in doing so, build a company that lasts. Now here's the first dose, higher quality talent. I learned this the hard way. Talent costs. So if you want quality people, then you need to be prepared to pay them appropriately. As your business expands, you need to hire new people to take on extra roles. You don't necessarily need to have a large number of employees. Instead, you should always be gunning for quality. There's normally a reason why quality people cost, and it's because they can be trusted, nine times out of ten that is, to deliver. And unfortunately, the converse is true. That said, as a small business or a startup, frankly, you may not be able to afford the services of already successful talent. And this was the case for me. And I tried many different approaches, giving unsuccessful people a chance to prove their worth, training them, investing in them. Unfortunately, I found out to my cost that although it was very unfortunate to have to say, the old adage is true. You buy cheap, you buy twice. So what to do if you can't afford the talent up front? Well, if this is the case, as it is for many small businesses, then the only option is to develop your own. You should look out for candidates that are eager to learn, love new challenges, and are passionate about their roles, and more importantly, passionate about your business. If there are qualities and skills that your business needs, that you expect your staff to have, and that they currently don't have, then frankly, shame on you. You should always be prepared to invest in them, train them in those areas. I found that investing in people always has a high return on investment. But unfortunately, in many businesses I've consulted with, it's the first thing to be cut when things get tight. And don't be sucked into the WITL syndrome either. Many employers don't train their staff because of the what if they leave syndrome. The key question you need to ask is, what can I do to make sure they don't want to leave in the first place? And that is where incentive schemes come in. As a for instance, in my last business, I put in place a share ownership scheme that allowed staff to invest in the company. It also allowed us to reward them. Obviously we controlled who and how much could be acquired or be rewarded, but it worked. Ask yourself this when you start to think about this sort of scheme. Is it better to own 100% of a small number or 90% of a much bigger number. We introduced a non-voting share scheme, so we retained control of the company. But when we sold it, all the shares, voting and non-voting, converted to ordinary shares, and the staff who owned them got a nice payout. So their investment in their own training and doing a really good job actually paid off. The second strategy to break owner dependence is to build systems. 
This step is all about encoding your experience and management, and note I didn't say leadership, into systems and processes that don't need your daily input in order to work. As a business owner, you need to learn to exclude yourself from the daily business tasks, especially if you have a capable team. One way to do this is to design and write down what I call standard operating procedures or SOPs for short. And these are documents that clearly show each employee what to do, when to do it and how to do it and what standards they're supposed to meet. Along with this, you'll also need to implement a way of ensuring that the systems and processes you're putting in place are being followed. So you'll need to put in place a performance management system in order to ensure consistent quality. If you want to know more about this, then use the Start the Conversation option on the Exeon website. Now the third strategy to reduce owner dependence is to automate activities. As the world embraces more technology, you should really be taking advantage of automation tools in particular to improve business activities and reduce reliance as far as possible on human interaction and ultimately on you as the owner. Now automation has multiple advantages and it's not really that expensive either. Now, the first advantage and perhaps the most obvious is that it removes manual interactions and thereby reduces human error as far as possible. Look at it like this. If you employ four administrators to process, let's say, purchase invoices, and they cost you 20k per annum, then that's £80,000 just on administration. Let's say as well that there are only 10% of the invoices that really need human interaction. The rest go through without a hitch. Let's also say that there's a 5% error rate simply arising from human error and that sits in the 10%. By automating the processes you can reduce the error rate significantly and also reduce the admin overhead substantially and frankly this goes straight on the bottom line straight into your pocket. In this example you could probably reduce the overhead by a 75% as a minimum. Automated systems will also ensure that your business keeps running even if you need to take a leave of absence or indeed one of your staff falls ill. But these systems are expensive right? Well wrong actually. They don't have to be. For instance you can implement workflows in your business now using open source systems and these don't cost anything. Well don't get me wrong these aren't free by any means. It's normally the implementation that's the most expensive element, closely followed by the maintenance. But in most cases, these should pay for themselves many times over once you've bitten the bullet. As with most solutions, implementing automated workflows, encoding your business and employing the right people isn't easy. Frankly, nothing ever worthwhile is. One of the fundamental issues that you need to overcome from the get-go is the issue of skills, particularly digital skills. And for this, you may wish to look at a thing called reverse mentoring. I'm a strong proponent of this approach, 
Reverse mentoring can be considered a radical coaching methodology, but it isn't really. All it does is ensure that employees who are savvy with digital tools and techniques mentor, i.e. teach, the so-called old guard. The old guard are the ones who invariably have the domain expertise, but need help to adapt to the prevailing technological innovations. Using this approach has a major benefit. It helps ensure that the implementation risk is strongly mitigated. Also as a byproduct, it also allows for the transfer of knowledge both ways. The younger, more technologically savvy staff get the benefit of the experience and the experienced staff get upskilled into the digital area. And now finally, the fourth strategy, receive and act on feedback. As you implement the all the above tips, you'll want to incorporate listening into the culture of your business, both internally and externally. A business that listens to its customers and acts on what they're told will tend to thrive. Too many businesses sell products or services, not solutions to customer problems and value creation. Now we'll look at value creation and the value proposition in a future podcast. Suffice to say, you should always encourage your customers to give feedback after interacting with your business at any level. This feedback will show what areas you need to improve and what areas the customers actually do value. Feedback also shows you where you need to remove yourself and allow your employees to do the work. So your company in particular doesn't appear to be too founder centered. If you truly want to have a owner independent business, then you really don't want to be the only reason customers patronize your business. This really isn't a business. It's a cult. Okay. So we've now had a look at four generic strategies to help you remove yourself from the business. Just like now to go back to one, train your employees. If you truly want to get your life back and remove founder dependence, then you have to train your employees to do everything you do. So if you keep everything close to your chest, they'll never have the opportunity to take over essential business operations. And ultimately your business will begin to perform suboptimally. You cannot have a business that continually grows that you control. Instead of keeping your employees out of parts of the operation, give them the opportunity to learn and engage in your company. Teach them to do everything that you do to run the day-to-day -day operations. This will not just help you when you want to go on vacation. This will help your business if you ever get sick or have an emergency or even want to go to a place where you can't be in the office. If you're not around, you don't want your business to come to a halt. The second part of train your employees is empower your employees. Don't just train them to do their jobs and act as a backup for you. Empower them to make the company and workplace a better place. Let them make decisions. Empowered employees are more vested in helping their employers succeed. If you can find good ways to empower employees to deal with customer and operational issues, then frankly, they'll work harder for you. You're showing trust. 
Make them feel like their contribution is making a difference, that it's valued. This will make it more natural for the employees to run the business in your absence. But the biggest block to removing owner reliance from the business is often the business owner themselves. And there's no way this is good. So try to keep this in mind. As a business owner, you need to learn to exclude yourself from the daily business tasks, especially if you have capable hands in your team. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this podcast. Many thanks for taking the time to listen to it. If you have any comments, please feel free to leave them. And if you'd like some more information, then please use the Start the Conversation option. This has been Episode 3 of the Small Business Leaders Podcast from Exion. Thank you for listening, and please feel free to subscribe so you get early notification of future episodes.